everybody. It's Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com and Eric Maline That's from me. SceneStealers.com. How's it going? Not bad. How are you doing? I'm doing swell. Did even you though make it's it through cold. Black Friday? Uh, I did. I made it through Black Friday. I watched a lot of movies. Yeah. I stayed at home. That's the way to do it. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, all right. We're here today. Uh, we're going to do three things. Okay. We're going to talk about the uh, new William S. Burroughs documentary, mm-hmm. A Man Within. Yes. Um, it comes out at Liberty Hall this weekend. Uh, we're going to talk about delayed sequels and what that means for Tron Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we're going to hit some movie news and get out of here. What so. about my big prediction? Oh, yeah. Eric uh, Molina is going to go ahead and predict this year's Best Picture Accurate. Academy Award winner. Accurate. And, uh, yeah, I'd pay attention to it because we might use it as a quiz item later for something free. And let's talk about uh, William S. Burroughs, A Man Within. Former uh, Lawrence resident. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Yoni Lizer. Um, he came to Lawrence around 2005, uh, went to KU for a little bit, left, um, and then w- graduated from the new school, which I think would probably be an somewhere. upgrade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, a, it's, it's pretty straight up. It's a documentary about uh, William S. Burroughs. It debuted um, actually at Liberty Hall back in May. They did one night, and now it's back for... Um, it's it's real release and um, interesting movie. I've gotten to watch it a couple of times now. Um, overall, it works really well as a documentary. I'll I'll just get that out of the way. Um, it's it's short. It's about seventy eight minutes, um, which is about all you need to really spend. Though I don't think the the time was was necessarily budgeted the best it could have been. Um, there are definitely some, and I mean it's 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 weird to complain about pacing in a documentary, but you know it, it matters. It's, there are definitely some pacing things, um, especially towards the end. They kind of, they kind of yada 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 over some bigger parts of his life. I bet but, they spent plenty of time with uh, him shooting his wife. Actually, they didn't. No, it's I mean been covered. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. They they don't spend that much time on that. Let, let me go back to the beginning. I mean, it's it's a really um, intimate kind of um, documentary, and a lot of the footage is new or or rare footage. Yeah, which it, it is really cool, and it's done really well. And, you know, I won't get into it but because uh, we won't go anywhere with it, but we kind of had a little uh, disagreement last week about documentaries and whether or not they can <laughs> exist without having a, a narrative or a... Um, but my point is that they're not objective. Yeah, well, they can have a perspective. I've never, I've never said that, but right. it's also... I think it's possible to be objective in a documentary i mean look at the planet earth documentaries right. what what's their angle earth is oh. earth is cool well it depends you know? <laughs> it depends no the angle is whatever story they're trying to tell and if if you think that they haven't faked that footage and uh and put in different scenes from different days to try to build the journey of one animal over you know a sh- what appears to be a 10 minute period then you're not you're not aware of what happens when people put movies together okay well i'm not <laughs> going to dignify that and I'm not with a response. That you're not aware. I'm just saying. People um, who think that and I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to waste any more time on it because we already talked about it. Anyway, <laughs> this is a good example, though, of a, of a documentary that does sort of present things to you and let you make your own decisions. I mean, it's it's very informed, and basically, what it has um, happened a lot is you'll get an opinion from someone who knew Burroughs, like uh, John Waters. And Origgy Pop does a bit at one point that's kind of cool towards the end of his life. You got a lot of really good people involved in this. Yeah, thing. yeah. There's there's interviews with Thurston Moore, and um, then there's you know there's footage with him and, and and Ginsburg, and it's really well put together. And you'll get these sort of opinions from people, and then they will cut or they will insert footage of uh, Burroughs in his own words, either 
sort of strengthening what's just been said about him or refuting that. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's so it's a really, I mean, it's a really interesting way to look at his life because it is a lot of it in his own words or from his friends. And that's that's a way better documentary. I'm so glad that it's a documentary and not some kind of um, um, biopic. Does the section about the naked lunch seem as if somebody uh, cut up the film and threw it up in the air and then assembled it randomly? I wish, but no, <laughs> it doesn't even. That's the thing. It's like they they don't really focus a lot on naked lunch. They they talk a little bit about it. I mean, they talk about how he how, where he wrote it and what had happened and how he got there and that that it was assembled basically from letters that he'd sent to. Kerouac and um, I think Ginsburg. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. But they they focus more on like the obscenity trial in Boston and things like that. But even then, it's not. There's not like court deposition and you know f- like Ken Burns photo right. <laughs> effects of, of like him right. and him and him on trial. It doesn't really gloss over that or it doesn't really go over that in in such a fine detail. But what I really liked about it is it doesn't make him out to be a hero or a good guy. It doesn't really deify him at all. Um, and it does spend a little bit of time about his son's death and how his, how he was just honestly a terrible father and absentee and, and bad at being a dad. And it was really interesting to see how, uh, how the role that Ginsburg played in that because Ginsburg really stepped in for him a lot with, um, uh, William Burroughs Jr., his son. And it, so, so it was really interesting to, to see that angle and see that perspective. There is a little bit where they try and, um, they talk about how he uh, the the lasting effect he had on uh, punk rock and and some people claim that he invented it and that's a little that's a little shaky you know I didn't really really uh, believe in a lot of that but if Sonic most, Youth was influenced by you that means you invented punk rock yeah sure <laughs> so but anyway overall I mean it was a really it's a sound documentary the ending is a little sort of um, convenient what they choose to end on it but it's Again, it's it's they didn't um, invent it. They didn't. I mean, it's something that he did. Overall, a man within is definitely worth seeing. Cool. Um, I won't make some big statement like it's the best documentary of the year, but it is really it is impressive. Yeah. Um, awesome. And and I enjoyed it. And it's the kind of documentary that is good for a place like Liberty Hall and um, works on a, a movie screen better than it would on a television. Awesome. Well, you, do you want to hear a funny bro story? Yeah, yeah, give it to me. Okay. Um, so um, there's a girl, and she wor- worked at a bookstore here in town. And one morning before they were open, there was this old guy banging on the windows, and, and, and uh, he wanted to be let in. And she yelled at him, and she said, hey, we're not open yet. And he was, like, banging on the windows. And she was like, oh, my God, this guy's insane. And um, so uh, he, he went away after about five or ten minutes or so. And um, then somebody else came in to help her open the bookstore. Um, and they, uh, and she said, Hey, you know, there was this old guy who was here and he was banging on the window and he looked crazy and he had a cane and he was really old. And they're like, you're idiot. That was William Burroughs. <laughs> uh, my other story is I saw James Elroy speak at the Lawrence public library and uh, Burroughs had j- just died six months earlier. And somebody asked him what he thought of Burroughs and Elroy, the guy who wrote LA confidential sure. was an opinionated bastard in his own right said, William S. Bros is the biggest fraud since blah, 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 and he's the worst writer, blah, blah. And everyone was like, oh, at the Lawrence Public Library. That's, That's awesome. That's my other story. Yeah. That's really cool. There you go. I like James Elroy. He's a freak. Yeah.
But we do have another cool idea, uh, which is kind of inspired uh, by Tron, which yeah. is uh, coming out here in, uh, what, two weeks? Yeah, the 17th, Tron yeah. Legacy. And, and uh, I'm, when I'm, was the original? Oh, God, I don't 1980? Yeah. And I'm embarrassingly excited for Tron Legacy. <laughs> I am. Um, it's, it's either going to be, it looks like it's either going to be a really cool, um, fun movie or it's just going to be terrible. I can't really tell. The, the trailers are cut to where it's one or the other. Like right. they've either crammed every good thing into the trailer or it's actually a good movie that'll stand up on its own. And, and this is just kind of. What I'm worried about from looking at the trailer fun. is this. When I watched the original Tron just recently, this year again. Yeah. Uh, what Did I loan that to you? I think so. Yeah. yeah. What's what stood out was the actual uh, visual uh, idea, uh, as well as um, the whole idea that people didn't understand that this is how computers were going to be, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And so once he, you know, he enters into this computer and his other world, and and seeing how all those parts relate and everything, that was really interesting back then yeah. because it was really new. Well, it's not no, it's not new anymore. The idea of going into the computer. You know, and, and and the whole virtual reality thing, none of that's new anymore. So yeah. that that in and of itself, that novelty effect gone. Yeah. Okay. The other novelty effect is the visuals, mm-hmm. and we've seen enough CGI, so gone. All right. Yeah. For the most part, now it is going to be 3D and IMAX, and I'm sure that they're going to have some new visual treats in store for us. But just from looking at the preview, I have to say I'm not excited. Yeah. Because it looks like a stupid journey movie where they've got to go through a series of things and then rescue somebody and blah, blah, blah. And so for me, if that's all it is, I'm not looking forward to it. But if there's more to it than that, I think in the story department, that's where it's going to really matter. So oh yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm just uh weary. Let's say that. I'm yeah. Right. that's a, that's a good place to be. <laughs> and that, like, you know, it's, it's a good idea to be cautious with that movie. Cause I can't really tell, but we started researching other movies and uh, they'd had a really long time between the the uh, the last film, be it the first or not, and then a sequel, the follow up, a yeah. follow up. How many years later? And and uh, what was kind of the the general consensus? That the we general consensus at? is, if you wait a long time to make a sequel, your movie is going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the short version. There are some outliers to this principle, but for the most part, if you if you wait more than five years to make a follow up to your movie, it's going to be awful so what are the exceptions the exceptions um to me are aliens which james uh, cameron james cameron's aliens following to, up ridley scott yeah which uh, the first one came out in 79 and then um aliens came out in like 86 i think that sounds right mm-hmm. yeah so you know you got a de- you got a decent gap there seven years um and you can argue which movie's superior you know i personally like alien better but you know you can't deny the quality and the um, attention to detail and special effects and everything that's present in Aliens, I think. And, which, and it definitely moves it? that mythology forward yeah. and not not in a sort of shoehorned or, or um, you know, convenient way. Well, it took it out of the genre completely. Yeah, totally. Instead of being a sci-fi horror picture, yeah, it's, it's now a it's sci-fi an action adventure, action yeah. adventure picture. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then David Fincher came along and screwed it up with Alien 3. You know, it's interesting. They they had Jean-Pierre Genet uh, do one of those sequels as well. Yeah, Both Resurrection. Both of are visionary directors, but by then I think the story was just played out. Yeah, so. there's just not much more you can do with it. And yeah. I think, you know, Fincher even went out of his way to, like, he killed her so that they couldn't make any more in there. Like, now there's cloning in the future. Tricked you. There's cloning now. So, <laughs> oh, right, right. yeah, they cloned Ripley and, and she could... Um, hit a half court shot without looking at it before 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 we move on i have to say this i owned both the first two alien movies yeah and i hadn't seen them in a really long time and i watched them again and i watched uh, uh the, the the second time i watched aliens mm-hmm. which was the first time since it was in the theater when i was a kid 
Uh, I have to say that um, I didn't like it. And really? I think that is mostly because of the fact that uh, it was really one of those 80s movies that kind of defined the action film. Yeah. Uh, there's so many cliches that have been the music. Since the music then. is one of the most obvious cliches yeah. watching it now is just like how over – like the music is so over in that movie that John Williams goes, hey, dial it back. <laughs> it's a little too deliberate. Nice. Like, pull it back. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I sold it back. I still really? own uh, Ridley Scott's version. I think that one's still kind of terrifying, and but I'm just, you know, not interested in aliens. So, but anyway, it's it's something, you know. Yeah. It's not terrible, and I think you're you're right. I think that's the exception. And and the other uh, exception is uh, I have one more, and and it, ironically, it is another James Cameron movie, T uh, two. The first Terminator. Now, came are you out. saying T one to T two or T two to T three? Because that was even longer. T one to T two. Wasn't it? Wasn't T two to T three even longer? I don't think so. And that would prove the opposite because uh, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, 2003. Yeah, it was a 12-year gap. Yeah. That movie's terrible. That is awful. Yeah. Especially when Arnie shows up uh, or when he tries to have his moment there at the end where I'm not a machine and I have a conscience and oh, don't act, please. Wait, are you talking about Salvation now? Or no, T3? I'm talking about Terminator 3. Salvation, that's a movie I regret having nice things to say about. That was even worse. Yeah. 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 So, but, but you're right. I think T2, uh, you know, and, and that's funny. And again, you know, it's Cameron, Cameron and he, does, he did the exact same thing between Alien, even though he didn't direct it, and Aliens. I mean, he just, he really, the first Terminator is very menacing, and it, it is almost almost a horror movie. Yeah. It is almost it's a sci-fi horror movie because he's aliens, it's you know, like he's Michael Myers except he's a machine, basically. Right. You know, he's a soulless, you know, impervious killing machine. And that's scary in and of itself. But then the, the sequel, I mean, just the sequel just gets, goes to a whole different level, yeah. you know, in terms of story and special effects and, and um God, what Linda Linda Hamilton did to get um into the the, the shape she was for that character is insane and yeah, everything about. I mean, it, it broke ground and visually and everything else. But yeah, those are the only two I can really think of. If you've got others, uh, add them in the comments because it'd be good to uh, see what other people are thinking. And um, no, Boondock Saints and Boondock Saints All Saints Day. That doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. That doesn't count. I'm gonna throw one in there. I'm gonna say uh, that The Color of Money. Yeah. Although uh, not a great great film, uh, is a good film. Scorsese followed up uh, 1961's The Hustler, yeah. um, which is a great film. Uh, in 1986, and Paul Newman won the Best Actor uh, for The Color of Money, uh, uh, and he was opposite Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people complain about Tom Cruise in that movie, but I think Scorsese used him absolutely to perfection, which is that he plays this cocky little bastard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's if you watch The Color of Money again, I mean, you're going to see a lot of... Scorseseisms in it. I, I think it's a well-told story. It's not the Hustler. It doesn't have, uh, you know, the big emotional punch that the Hustler did, and kind of that, uh, you know, that that just general. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I mean, Fast Eddie's knocked down at this point, right? And yeah. and 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 during the Hustler, uh, you know, you get to see all that happen, and so uh, I think it's more effective dramatically, and it's beautifully shot, uh, black and white film, but. Yeah, the color of money didn't suck, and I think it, uh, you know that that uh, that proves if you've got somebody who understands the character behind it, you're late years ahead of of where most people are. Yeah, sure. Um, other movies that that I don't think uh, worked <laughs> out that well, uh, Psycho Two. Yeah, yeah, 1983. So they recast uh, Anthony Perkins. They did. They didn't use Perkins. Yeah, they did. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they still had Perkins. Um, but he did three. Did, he didn't like, have anything. He else. did three Psycho did movies. More, yeah. yeah. So. Um, but that was what twenty three years later, and obviously Hitchcock's dead. 
Sounds like a really bad idea. Just dance on his ashes. Just yeah. hurry up and dance on his grave with his terrible sequel. Uh, Chinatown. The Two uh, Jakes. That's that's a movie I want to do for Insomniac sometime because it's it's apparently not at all good. That's not entirely true. Really? I've seen it, and I enjoy it to a certain extent. It's directed by Jack Nicholson. Oh, that's the problem. Which is uh, not the best. But it's written by Robert Town, who wrote the original yeah. Chinatown. Um you know, it's I don't know. It's it's not it's it's not a perfect movie. In fact, it might not even be a, a very good movie. But it's not a terrible movie. The okay. two Jakes. Um, it, for me, it's just nice to see uh, Nicholson do that character again. And you can tell that there were hands involved. Again, yeah. we've got Nicholson and and Town. We don't have Polanski, but you know, people who understand the character. I think a lot of these movies, when we look back at them and we see these sequels, mm-hmm. there's people involved who are just completely different from. The yeah. ones that are originally involved. Well, let's look at who. Let's look at another uh, giant disaster of a sequel, and and it had almost the exact same uh, crew and director and writer at the helm. Let's look at Godfather Three. Yeah, do we I have mean, to? No, yeah, we do. We <laughs> have to. Watch you know what? Sophia it's a Best Picture terrible. nominee. How crazy is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they must have been hurting that year. Uh, they, yeah, I don't even know what else was nominated that year, but God, yeah, God save us all. Yeah, you know, Sofia Coppola took a lot of crap at the time, and and uh, you know she was really bad in the movie. It really took it, it takes you out of the film to watch it. Her acting is so yeah, uh, uh, you know, beyond disruptive. Yeah, that's a good way yeah. to describe it. It is it's, disruptive. It's really disruptive. And then at the same time, they've got this big story. It's basically uh, the continuation of the story <laughs> they were already telling in, yeah. in Godfather Two, and way better. And so you've got, you know, Corleone just getting completely alienated, losing his soul. And what does he have left? He's got his daughter. Well, I wonder if he's going to lose her too. I don't know. And then they're telling this big church story. And uh, yeah. it's it's just too much. You know, it's overstuffed. Um, and uh, when people talk about the Godfather trilogy, mm-hmm. I always like to correct them. And, that always <laughs> makes me shudder. Yeah, because no, no. no. It's, it's not a trilogy. There were two movies and two stories that made a lot of sense together, and then a thing they tacked on at the end that we It's like pretending about. that the Stones died right after, uh, after uh, Some Girls. Some Girls. Well, as as <laughs> I, will, I will go so far as to say that Tattoo You is half a great record. Black and Blue is okay. Black and Blue has its moments, but yeah. Tattoo You is the last one worth listening to. Regardless, I like to pretend that they died either right after Exile or right after Some Girls. Yeah, Some Girls is great. Yep. Another great example of uh, the same the same creative team doing a terrible follow up job, and uh, there's one certain sci fi trilogy that I'm not going to mention. I'll let you do that. Um, but the one that sticks in sticks in my craw more is uh, Indiana Jones and the <sighs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And you know, it's funny. I just had uh, uh, Justin Pierre, who sings for Motion City Soundtrack, yeah, uh, just wrote a column for me on Scene Stealers this week where he defended that movie. Really, and I gave that movie a good review when it came out as well. So why? Uh, and I'm why? well for the same reason why? that he's defending it. I went back and watched the originals. Okay, mm-hmm. they are cheesy. Okay, if you watch this new movie as an adult after uh, loving the films as a kid, and you go back and you watch, you know, uh, uh, the the old ones, they feel like this one. No, they feel cheesy. They don't. I mean, just they because, don't. Okay, a lot. There were two two things people had a problem with. Number one, nuke the fridge, right? He's he's yeah. Nuke the fridge. I can get past that. Yeah. That's it's it's idiotic, but okay, whatever. So I, I like the set then, piece. I like the um. I like give the. Give me a hard time about the aliens, right? The aliens. I'm going to give you a hard time about more than that, though. I'm going to give you a hard time about how I it opened with CG chipmunks, about how Shia LaBeouf swings with CG monkeys, and one has the same haircut as him. <laughs> like that. That yeah, was very they, they don't that they don't they Ewok. never went that far into like toyetic kid 
idiotic played him in the, in the other in the other ones. Okay, the second one, fine. The second one's like Godfather Three. I pretend it doesn't happen. I or think, that it didn't exist. I, think I have but. an answer for all of your. <laughs> all right. No, but but uh, but uh, I'm I'm defending the aliens, and I'm Go and ahead. I'll tell you why. That's because fine. The, every single uh, every single movie up to that point has had a supernatural uh, mm-hmm. element in it, and so I don't understand why. Well, I do understand why everyone had a bad reaction. It's because it was just all of a sudden filled with CGI. Yeah, well, it was that, and then the also, I just, I think, that bad. I think, I that think the, the fact that they the used all the CGI took us out of it, and it didn't seem like an Indiana Jones movie ever, uh, anymore. And I think that they would have Spielberg should have known better. Yeah, and they he should have found a way to to do more of that in camera. I think it wouldn't have been that. Yeah, you know, and the other thing that really irked me was when they have to go to Area Fifty One and they smash the box open, and you can see the Ark of the Covenant in there, and it's just like just little nods to uh, oh, the last God. Crusades full Come of stuff on. like that. Get out of here! Come on. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I feel bad. Crystal, Crystal School. I no, it, that movie. No, nah, I I can't. I, I can't even. Can't even get behind it. That movie's terrible. So you're excited about Indy Five, then? Yeah. All right. I am. I've already, I've already taken work off, so I can wait in line for that one. <laughs> it really, like the South Park episode, did it perfectly, where Indiana Jones just gets raped over and over again yeah. by by George Lucas. That that's pretty much. That they no one said it better than that. That was perfect. Well, I guess we're just gonna have to uh, differ on that one. We will probably not differ on this one. Wall Street. Wall Street money never sleeps. <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't have asked for. I'm waiting oh, for Born on the Fourth of July too. Are you really? No. Yeah. No. Von uh, Kovic goes to uh, what work at Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> Big prediction coming up after the movie news. I'm going to predict the winner of Best Picture at the Oscars next year. And let me tell you something. It's a history-making winner. Okay, so uh, movie news. I think you're going to fall on your face. Michael Douglas uh, is actually going to play Liberace in Steven Soderbergh's uh, uh, Liberace biopic, which starts filming in June of 2011. Okay. He's battling throat cancer. A little yeah. bit worried about his health. You know, he did a good job as Gordon Gecko in Wall Street too. It wasn't his fault that the material was so awful. Yeah. It's his fault for continuing to play that character when he knew the material was bad. What's uh, he going to do? Walk off set? What's that? And and yeah, I mean, well, he shouldn't have agreed. He should, when he read the yeah. script, he shouldn't have done it. Um, but anyway, I'm excited to see him do this. I I, I want to see Douglas do something really strong uh, again. He hasn't really I, done a strong movie since Wonder Boys, has he? I loved Wonder Boys. Yeah, but has he done so anything good. as good as that since then? Uh, was Traffic before or after that? And even then, that was a small role. So yeah, I, think it was before. I don't know. But you're right. He's done a lot of made-straight-to-DVD stuff, and honestly, I haven't seen them. Yeah, so I haven't either. I don't know. Um, big news on the awards circuit. Uh, Gotham Awards. The Gotham Awards were the other night, and that is an independent movie award. Uh, the winner was Winter's Bone. Yeah, just here at Liberty uh, Hall, and uh, it's on today, DVD now. Actually, I think it came out on DVD either last week or the week before. So okay, rent great. it, Netflix it, or buy it. But yeah, see Winter's Bone because it's amazing. So so yeah, so Winter's Bone uh, it wins the Gotham Awards, and then the Indie Spirit Awards were just announced uh, on Tuesday mm-hmm. of this week. Yeah, and uh, Winter's Bone leads with seven nominations. Wow. 
all three of the, the main actors were nominated, including Jennifer Lawrence, who I think is definitely going to get an Oscar nomination. Yeah. I think her, her major... Deserved. Deserved, for sure. And her major uh, challenge, I think, is going to be uh, Natalie Portman at this point. I think that's a two-woman race. Although uh, Annette Bening is going to get nominated also for The Kids Are All Right, yeah. which came in second at the Independent Spirit Awards with five nominations, followed by Black Swan, Greenberg, and uh, Rabbit Hole, all with four. Okay. How, did you, how did you feel about Greenberg? I thought it was just okay. Yeah. You know, I think, I think uh, Bombach's been better. And uh, it was interesting, and I'm glad I saw it. I don't ever want to see it again, and I don't think it's a milestone of any kind. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much where I'm at on it. I don't put it this way. They sent it to me last week and haven't even opened it yet. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, yeah, so that's where we're at with the, with the awards so far. Again, these are just the Indie Spirit Awards, so uh, some of the heavy hitters uh, that are going to be back uh, in Oscar territory uh, can't even be nominated for that one. So Right. Uh, another thing I saw online today, which I thought was really interesting, uh, is that David Zucker, who is uh, the producer of a lot of Leslie Nielsen's most famous films, the Naked Gun series and Airplane, um, and he actually uh, came out today uh, with a letter about uh, Leslie Nielsen's passing. You'd better tell the captain we've got to land as soon as we can. This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Tell the captain I must speak to him. Certainly. Captain, how soon can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I'm just not sure. Or can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? This is what David Zucker said. I thought this was really cool. He, he wrote, uh, it was summer 1979, a full three weeks before the shooting of Airplane. And our casting director had finally had enough. We cast Lloyd Bridges, Robert Stack, Peter Graves, and now Leslie Who. At least audiences has heard of the first three, but this guy, it was true. When it came time to select another actor, uh, we remembered this one guy. He's been in hundreds of TV shows, and I think he played the captain of the Poseidon. What's his name? They did some research, and that revealed that his name was Leslie Nielsen. So they were thrilled when he agreed to meet, not because he was funny, but because of his long resume of serious stuff. To them, he was hysterical. So uh, he had this long list of straight dramatic acting roles, uh, and they thought that he would be perfect uh, for this deadpan kind of style. When he read the airplane script, he got it immediately. We later heard that Leslie Nielsen told his agent, take whatever they offer, I'd pay them to do this. <laughs> he got an entirely new career out of it. Yeah. you know. And unfortunately, he kept doing it in, in uh, a lot of spoof movies that probably weren't worth his talent. Well, as soon as the but Zuckers he, he, took over the scary movie series yeah. and, and they made him Zucker movies and they brought him back for that, that was just well, no. Sad. I mean, he did he did even more. He was doing Repossessed. He was doing yeah. all these horrible. Oh yeah, like, the, the Dracula. Yeah, like, dead and loving dead and it. Loving it. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. okay, well, you know, he he did take it too far. But hey, I mean, we've got you know three, uh, maybe four classic films uh, from from that combination. So, uh, what are your four? Airplane one, two, Naked Gun, and then Naked Gun. Uh, yeah, two and a half, or yeah, don't you don't know. like thirty-three That's, and a third. Well, you, know, you, know. you know, I'm a sucker for all those movies. I yeah. can't help it. The, um, the originals, like yeah. I, I, Police I, Squad. Let's talk about that. Police right? Squad. Yeah. yeah. So Police Squad before the Naked Gun, mm-hmm. the TV show. That's on DVD. You can pick that up. Whole the entire series. Very cool. So Leslie Nielsen, rest in peace.
get to the prediction. End of it's movie time. news. Time for the big news, okay? I am a huge Oscar fan. It's I know true. it's stupid, but I get excited about it every year. It's Are you going to do an Bowl. Oscar party this year, by the way? Who, I don't know. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I think you should. I think okay. you should. Right now, I think, I, think, I think we should set the gears in motion. You Did know you? what I always do? What's that? I always put my, comp, my, my, my predictions out mm-hmm. uh, for everybody to see. And then when we do the Oscar party, the Oscar party is basically everybody picks. We'll all put money into a pool. Whoever gets the most right, the most points, things are weighted. Yep. Uh, gets all the cash, and it's really fun. And I usually get tons of uh, movie posters and other yeah, things. Yeah, we hand out away. swag and all that yeah. kind of fun stuff. So uh, I'm telling you right now, uh, I'm going way out on a limb with this one. Uh, I think the front runners for Best Picture this year are uh, The King's Speech, mm-hmm. uh, True Grit, uh, Black Swan will be nominated. I think 127 Hours will be nominated. I think uh, Inception will be nominated, but it doesn't stand a chance. The Kids Are All Right will be nominated. It doesn't stand a chance. Either. And it doesn't really stand a chance either. Winner's Bone will probably get nominated now, um, now that we're seeing this kind of uh, uh, support I think, I think that. that one will be the long shot. You if it gets nominated, I think it's the long shot. To win? Yeah. Not a chance. Really? Not a chance. The winner this year is going to make history. Okay. It's going to be the first animated movie to win Best Picture ever. It's going to be Toy Story 3, mm-hmm. and it's going to win because they gave Return of the King Best Picture as the third movie in that series, and because Toy Story 1 was the first animated film, and because that and 2 were nominated, I think they're going to say, you know what, Pixar? We've wanted to give this to you for some time. Yeah. This this is a story that they can't pass up. To to have it be uh, a, a Pixar movie and have it be uh, the continuation of a series that they started when they started that company, uh, I think that the Academy is finally going to overcome uh, uh, their inability to uh, reward animators when they want to give uh, give the award to all their friends who work on these other films. Because you know these animators are kind of you know stuck off in their own little world. And the Academy is made up of people who work together. And so they always vote for people that they worked on with films. Well, it's, it's tough. I think this year they're going to do it, not only because Toy Story 3 was an incredibly moving and great, great movie, but also uh, because it made 400-something million dollars at the box office. It'll be the, uh, a, a big box office thing, and they haven't had that in a really long time. I think The Hurt Locker... One last year, it made $18 million or something like that. It was the yeah. lowest. So I think there's a lot of reasons. I think the biggest one, though, is the story. Last year, the story was Bigelow beats Cameron, you know, and and uh, her, her ex-husband. This year, it's the first animated film uh, to win Best Picture in history. I think um, an even bigger um, reason behind this is that uh, Disney's uh, – uh, Chairman Rick Ross said that they're going to sink every last dime they can into. Yeah. Uh, um, That's not bad either. Ma- but you know who they're going sure, up against? Making sure they're going to win. So. They're going up against Weinstein and the King's Speech. And the advance yeah. word on this movie is so strong that uh, audiences are loving it as much as the critics are. Yeah. Um, I think that it's 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 definitely in there. It's a close second or third. But I think uh, even without seeing it, I, I'm, I'm thinking it's a little bit too specific. It's a little too British. Yeah. Colin Firth is a shoe-in to win Best Actor, not just yeah. to be nominated. I think he's going to win this year because he was nominated last year and didn't win. And that's another classic Oscar move. Uh, you know, Jeremy Irons is nominated for Dead Ringers, but he wins for Reversal of Fortune. So I think that's, that's, that's the deal. That's my big prediction. All Toy right. Story 3. You heard it picture. here. 
Toy Story 3, you don't think they're going to cop out and just give it best animated? Well, it's going to get that anyway. Right. I, I think, you don't I think, think they're just going to settle with best animated? Because that's what they did with Up. That's what they did every year. That's what yeah. they did with Wally. That's what they've done with uh, The Incredibles and, mm-hmm. and pretty much every – Cars was like the only one that didn't win. The only yeah. Pixar movie in recent memory. Maybe A Bug's Life didn't back in the day. But anyway, yeah, off the top of my head, I, I can't name them all. But, yes, they, they win – Pixar feature wins best animated feature every year, and everybody says that's enough. This is the year they're going to say, you know what? The rest of the competition is not that good. We're going to give it to them. One exception. Okay, right? here it if is. If True Grit, which nobody has seen yet, if True Grit is a Coen Brothers classic on par with No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. it has a chance of winning. But it won't because they've just won it. They're not going to give it to them again right away. And it's a freaking remake. So, Toy Story 3. All right. There you have it. Toy Story 3. Gauntlet thrown down. Definitely. <laughs> I'm going to burn on this if I'm wrong. Oh, I can't wait. I, I can't. The podcast after the Oscars, I'm just. You're going to oh, play yeah. that, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Immediately. Well, it'll be good because I'll be right. Okay. Well, there it is. We're going to wrap it up right there um, with a bold prediction that's not likely to happen. So on behalf of the Scene Stealers podcast, I am Trevin McGee, and this is uh, Eric Moline saying goodbye and have a good weekend.